Hello and welcome to On the Green Fence. My name is Neil King and on this episode I'll be taking a closer look at what climate change means for our health and why it's so crucial that we keep global warming below 2 degrees Celsius. Now, the World Health Organization sees climate change as the single biggest health threat for humanity, be it through air pollution, extreme weather events, heat waves, floods, the disruption of food systems, the expansion of zoonotic diseases, which could also trigger more pandemics, and we all know just how disruptive uh, that is from COVID. But climate change is also bringing more food, water and vector-borne diseases and mental health issues, which are often overlooked. And uh, this list, it isn't even complete. And then there are, of course, also the financial costs um, as well. You know, reports from the US show that the price of healthcare costs attributed to climate change and uh, fossil fuel use is at least 820 billion US dollars each year. And that's in the United States alone. Just let that sink in for a minute. 820 billion per year. That's more than the total annual US defense budget. And uh, the Americans spend more than any other nation on this planet on defense, by the by. But coming back to the toll on our health and lives, according to the WHO, climate change impacts are already claiming the lives of 13 million people every year. That's almost a quarter of the annual average global death toll. And this is just the start. If we fail to achieve the Paris climate goals, we could see an additional 250,000 deaths per year for the period 2030 to 2050, according to the WHO. I'm convinced that the numbers are even higher, you know, because on documents that document the death, there's not written heat. The cause, there's always written only stroke or heart attack. So the real numbers are much higher. That's Professor Claudia Treidel-Hoffmann. She's the head of the Department of Environmental Medicine at the University of Augsburg and one of Germany's leading experts on the topic of climate change and health. And she's among those medical experts that are sounding the alarm that we are in the midst of a global health emergency and we haven't got any time to lose. It's influencing our brain our heart, our stomach, our muscles, and our skin, our lungs. So every organ is influenced by climate change and by different aspects of the climate change. But the biggest threat for our lives also is heat. I mean, let's say we miss our climate targets um, of keeping, you know, a global warming below 2.0 degrees uh, by 2050. Let's say the planet heats up by 2 to 3 degrees by then. For somebody who hasn't got a clue um, about global warming and all its ramifications, this this really doesn't sound like a, a lot, right? Some people, especially those who have money, they might say, well, a couple of degrees warmer, better summer holidays, and if it gets too hot, I can always switch on the air con. Can you perhaps explain why rising temperatures will also be a problem for these people? Yeah, because two or three degrees in average means for cities, for example, 10, 15 degrees. And when you imagine to be in Berlin or Paris or New York um, or any other big city in the world, 10 or 15 degrees more means more deaths. So more diseases. So people will not be able to breathe anymore in cities. And where are people living also even more in the future is in cities. Mm. 
And to this comes the, the, the fact that we have the air pollution in the cities. And air pollution with heat, this UV radiation means that we have other chemicals also in the air so that are threatening even more our skin, our lung, our mucosal surfaces. Mm. And this really means that um, this two or three degrees in average, average means much more for the people in reality. And this is something, I mean, that our bodies can adapt to because we are very adaptable, aren't we? Or is this something where we're very limited because of our core temperature? You're right. So the the human body is adaptable. And we know that also people are, are living in, in, in areas where it's really hot. Uh, however, our body has limits. So climate resilience is the way to go, yes, but our body has limits. And I, I give you one example where it really becomes clear that we have limits. I tell you the, the story of a roofer. Uh, that was working over the whole day on the top of the roof and, and he was um, working there and it was really hot and he was uh, not drinking enough, he was not wearing a hat and he was coming to our hospital after he was almost unconscious and he was coming into our outpatient clinic with a core temperature of 43 degrees oh and he was dying within hours and we was, didn't get him back and he was, he was dying and he was a fit man he was fit he was a fit man without any uh, diseases heart or lung disease he was a fit man and this exactly shows that we have our limits and this is one reason and the most important reason why we have to limit climate change because the earth as it is today is perfect for us as human beings and it has to stay like this because we have our limits in adaptation so perhaps if we look into a bit you know on on who are the most affected and who is going to suffer the most in future yeah so i give you some examples also from my daily clinical practice mm. i'm dermatologist and allergologist and i'm I'm treating patients with chronic inflammatory skin diseases. Um, one skin disease I'm, I'm treating is, is uh, atopic dermatitis. This is a disease where um, the, the skin is inflamed and it's itching like hell. Yeah. And I have patients where the, the whole skin is full of this eczema. And when heat waves are coming, I have patients that are thinking about suicide. They cannot stand the itch. They cannot sleep. Um, we always have to think that everything is with everything connected. This Humboldt thinking, Alexander von Humboldt already said this, it's everything is with everything connected. And uh, when we think about the effect of heat on our body, it's the same. It's also affecting our mental hearts in, in different ways. First of all, people with dementia, with Alzheimer, uh, they have an exacerbation of their disease during heat waves. And in some ways, we do not always know the molecular mechanism on the cellular level. So we do not know all these facts. So this is something we have also to understand in, in research. However, we know these associations that they have an, an exacerbation of, of their chronic disease. But mental health means also depression, means that people, especially young people, they, they fear the future. My own son, for example, uh, 18 years old, he told me, Mom, do you think it makes sense that I have children? 
So what will happen to my children? And so this is this fear for the future young people have. And, and my son is only one example of, of many people I see also in my outpatient clinic that are asking themselves what will be in the future. And to be honest, what we are doing at the moment, doing nothing, is a suicide of humanity. That's what you just mentioned with your son. I have three young boys. Um, I'm sure those questions will also arise with them at some stage. I mean, what did you say to your son? How do you answer that question? I said, uh, listen, yes, uh, it, it may be that they have different times, but uh, it's also uh, how you act and, and what you give also to your children, how they will act and, and try to save this world for us as, as human beings. So this is important. So I suggested to, to have children, but to educate them as human beings that are respecting nature. And uh, this is why I think people like my son have to have children in order to have educated and mindful children and human beings in the future. Mm. Children um, are very susceptible to, you know, the rising temperatures, but it's also the above 65-year-olds who are considered very vulnerable. How great a risk is this statistically uh, for elderly, you know, the, the, the fact of dehydration or that they, you know, might suffer a heat stroke? It's extremely high. And this is exactly what we see also in our outpatient clinic. So, uh, and the interesting thing is a heat wave. Uh, it's over several days. And we do not see these patients dying in the first day or also in our outpatient clinic. We see them after two, three, four days, um, the heat wave is acting, let's say. So it's really a delayed effect. They are dehydrating and the kidneys are not working anymore and, and they are dying. And normally they are yeah, healthy ages. But this, this heat waves are taking them away and, and they, they could live for, for, for another 10 to 20 years mm. or 15. There's also the aspect of, of treatment, the medication, which, I mean, I was also unaware of this. That I mean, all medication is tested under normal temperatures, but global heating means that some of mm -hmm. these, they may not work properly or you may need to change the dose. Um, I mean, how big a problem is this going to be for us? extremely high and it's again this is will be a problem but is already at the moment during heat waves because also the medical doctors they are not aware of this yet so uh, when you speak uh, with medical doctors uh, whether they change something in the medication during heat waves most of them would say no Uh, why should I? Because they are not aware of this problem. This is why I wrote now together with, with medical doctors, uh, the first book for medical doctors uh, concerning planetary health, where really the surgeon, the internal medicine doctor, they are writing what climate change means for their discipline and for the, the patients in their discipline. And we do not even have big studies investigating the impact of heat on multiple drugs. So the interconnection and uh, of these uh, drugs, what is happening during heat, we do not know. Mm. And we have to do also here more research on this. Pharma industry is not taking into account environmental impact on their clinical studies. So who is is showing results of clinical studies and saying, okay, you see, we have now here this result and perhaps we had an influence of the heat wave. No one was doing this. 
That's kind of worrying. <laughs> Perhaps if you had to sort of break down now, you know, all we've talked about so far regarding heat, what are the main solutions or what are the main measures we would have to take, you know, within the next five years to address this properly? So we have to have really good heat alarm plans. So we have this already in, in France. So this is something we we need also in, in Germany and we need this in all the countries. Um, so and, and and this can be also quite detailed. So for example, um, the mayor of a small town has to know where the old people are living in roof apartments, for example, where they have a high risk of overheating during these heat waves uh, to, to save them or to and then also to, to catch them and to bring them to areas where, where it's colder. As we saw also during the heat waves in Canada, people were sleeping in, in big cooled halls, for example. Mm. So this is something we have to do. On the other hand, we have to change how we are building cities. Also for this, we need further research, but we know already what we need. We need green areas that by cooling down in a natural way, the cities, we have to bring the cars out of the cities in order also to reduce pollution in the cities. So this is something we have to do immediately. And we have no time now to say, okay, this will cost a lot of money. Mm. Uh, this aspect of this costs a lot of money um, is uh, is incredible because it, it will cost us much more when we act only in five or 10 years. And at the end, it will cost our lives. And this is how we also can convince the people in the in the governments and the rich people when it's about their health. Because it's not only about the health of the, the people with low socioeconomic status. It's about everyone. It's And it's about the children of everyone in the world. And when it's affecting health, I think this should convince people to do something. Because it's not the iceberg that is dying. It is us. Professor Claudia Treidel-Hoffmann, thank you very much for joining us here with On the Green Fence. We do appreciate your time and expertise. It was my pleasure. Thank you very much. Okay, so time for my main takeaways from this episode. First off, heat is a killer that needs to be taken way more seriously. Um, Prior to this episode, I must admit, I did underestimate just how severe the impacts are and how comprehensive. Uh, You know, I thought, okay, if it gets hotter, we just need to drink more, take it a bit easier, and we'll be all right. But uh, as Claudia Treidel-Hoffmann stressed, we won't be all right uh, if we miss our climate goals, and nobody will be exempt if we carry on like this, especially people in cities uh, will suffer. But... um, Even if heat doesn't kill us outright, uh, you know, there there are very adverse impacts. It reduces our brain power and productivity, costing our economies billions every year. And I found one study that estimated that if the world heats by just two degrees, the annual global loss in labor productivity would be 1.6 trillion US dollars. I mean, that's a figure. I just I, I can't even fathom that figure. Um, what else? Yeah, I also thought it, you know, very worrying um, that um, all this is impacting on our medication, and that we may, in fact, be over or underdosing because of it. Because all this medication is being tested under certain temperatures, and it doesn't account for a global warming. And this is, you know, very worrisome. I think also for people with chronic diseases who need to take tablets on a regular basis, and. Um, and on top of that, you know, also that, according to Treidel Hoffmann, doctors or GPs themselves often know next to nothing about this problem. 
But um, the bottom line to all this is that the single most effective measure to keep our planet healthy, and with it us, is to stop burning fossil fuels and get to net zero as fast as possible. Every kilogram of CO2 we emit, every trip in the car or plane, every beefsteak, every pair of jeans we buy, isn't just driving global warming. It really is impacting on us, on our health and on, on that of our children. And um, it, it's it's all connected. And it, it's not just those with chronic diseases or the vulnerable groups that will suffer in the future. Um, I don't know. It also struck me doing this episode that, you know, when you go to the gym or you do sports, it's often about shedding pounds. And we regularly take stock of what we've achieved, you know, by climbing on the weighing scales every week or every day even. And this, undoubtedly, it's good for our health, working out. But uh, given what Treidel Hoffman uh, said, maybe, you know, it would make sense or even more sense in terms of health, if we translate this gym weighing scales mentality into how much CO2 have we managed to save every week by not using the car for work or opting for a veggie option, you know, or not buying the third or fifth pair of jeans that we don't really need. And, uh, of course, there are calculators online that will give you the precise CO2 amount uh, you've saved by doing this. I think probably most of you listening to this are doing this already, but... um, Yeah, I'm sure there's always room for improvement. I can certainly improve on this, uh, that's for sure. Anyway, I don't want to get too preachy now. Um, That's my two cents uh, for the time being. In the meantime, I hope you have subscribed to On the Green Fence, wherever you get your podcasts, and um, also are sharing it via your social channels. And if you uh, can find the time to write a short and sweet review on Apple Podcasts, I'd be very, very grateful. That's about it. Um, Many thanks to my sound engineer, Jürgen Kuhn. And uh, a big thank you, of course, to you for listening to this episode of On the Green Fence. I I hope you took something away from it. And if you did, please do write me an email at onthegreenfence at dw.com. I'd really love to hear more about what you feel and think. My name is Neil King. Take it easy and take care.